Welcome to the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup, being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Susan Littlefield, and no surprise, our report's going to be a huge focus on these USDA numbers that came out on a Friday mid-market trading session. How the markets react, were there any surprises in the report, and a look at the global picture as well. We'll take a look at that and a whole lot more on this week's report. Imagine a future fueled by soy-based possibilities. A future where creativity and productivity live together under one roof. A future that takes you from point A to point B to point Z, all while ensuring brighter tomorrows for our next generation. A soy-based future? It's already here. Well, welcome back once again. As you can see, I've got the guys from agmarket.net joining us this week. Jim McCormick and Brian Split will be joining us. And, and gentlemen, a USDA report, kind of Friday trade. Overall, any big surprises when you guys looked at those numbers as, as they came out? I think the surprise is the uh, maybe the way that the trade reacted to it. We did get what could be considered a bit of a friendly report for beans. Uh, trade was looking for... Uh, not not as much of a reduction in carryout as what we got. So it was about an extra 20 million bushels below trade expectations. Uh, immediate reaction from the market was to buy that, and we rallied. Yet at the end of the day, we finished about 30 cents off of the, the high for the day. Uh, so these were, were big reversals lower for both corn and soybeans, um, and both markets traded below the last several sessions highs before closing lower on the day in the case of corn below uh, the lows that were made earlier this week. So I would say that technically these were, these were some pretty negative developments uh, as far as the way we traded throughout the course of the day. Um, but I, I think moving forward, you know, and we'll talk about this. I, I think the trade is looking for some bearish developments that uh, we're probably going to get in, in a month from now. What about for you, Jim? Anything that kind of caught you by surprise or, or not? Well, I, I think the biggest debate, Susan, going into the report where the trade had is, you know, how does the USDA collect the data on this report? This report was a survey base by the by the government. They took the data as the last four or five days of July and the first four or five days of August. And then they also did satellite imagery. But what was interesting is that satellite imagery was taken as of like July 27th, I believe it was. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the data you could argue with especially in the beans is maybe a little bit stale because since they collected all that data and essentially analyzed that data as of the very beginning of August 1, we've had a lot of rain that has moved across some of the big I states. So it, I think there's a lot of the question with the trade is what would they actually do with that yield? Would they try to essentially dial in that rain or not? It looks like with them cutting the yield like they did, they essentially did view the crop as of August 1. I think a lot of people essentially discounted it right away and already talked about this yield is potentially, assuming the weather cooperates, is going to start reversing back up and working its way back up to where it was and maybe even a little bit higher potentially. Well, let's be honest. Have we ever not had a USDA report come out where somebody questions those numbers pretty much immediately? Yeah, it's always <laughs> disputed. And, and I think a lot of it is, is the timing of, of, as Jim was alluding to, the timing of when the data is collected versus what's happened now. Uh, so I think that's going to be a problem that we're dealing with a month from now when we get the September WASDE report. And you, you think about soybeans, for example, uh, there was some talk, some chatter that maybe the USDA was going to increase bean acres. Uh, and I think that was just simply a misunderstanding of, of when they're going to uh, look at acres, as, again, as part of the balance sheet. 
They did do that for small grains, so your, your uh, barley, your oats, your wheat. Uh, corn and beans is going to be potentially part of the September report. So if you think about what Jim talked about, the satellite imagery was current as of July 27th. We've mm-hmm. had uh, a great week, week and a half of rains that have come through. We could potentially see the yield go right back up to that 52. They dropped at 1.1 bushels. Maybe we get a bushel back. And then if the USDA does raise bean acres, and, and we'll see that, you know, I don't know if history would suggest they will, but there's a lot of chatter that they might. Um, now you're talking a potential of going right from a 245 million bushel carryout back up to 350, 375, somewhere in that area, depending on what type of acres we do get back and what kind of yield we, we get back. Uh, so I think a month from now, we could be pricing in something much different. Maybe we do that in between now and then. It, it was interesting. I know that the, the Carolinas, Ohio, um, trying to think, Mississippi, Indiana, and I know that there's one other state, uh, the ones that they say really could be the one on a soybean perspective that brings some bigger numbers come that September report. Yeah, the bulk of the really good beans are in the Eastern Belt, but I would look, I would argue Illinois. They Illinois was down a little bit from a year ago, but we had some phenomenal rains that came through this last weekend. Parts of Illinois caught rain today. I know Eastern Iowa has been a little bit dry. They're catching some rain today. So I, I would anticipate the bean ratings to actually improve next week. And I think that's going to, unfortunately going to set the tone for this market to be a little bit more bearish. Then we're going to come down to the demand aspect. We did see the government make some demand revisions downward. And the question is, is it enough downward revision? Because uh, we still have a lot of competition for both corn and beans out of Brazil. I was just going to say, how much pressure are we going to see them continue to put on our market before those combines roll? Yeah, I mean, there's been a little bit of talk about Brazil and some diesel shortages. And if there's going to be some logistical issues, their lineup is pretty well loaded right now. So, you know, maybe a common theme is that if there are any any quick ship demand uh, uh, purchases, it's going to come to the U.S. Uh, but by and large, I, I think we're probably closer to getting some Chinese bean demand and maybe in bigger numbers than we are for corn. If you think about the big Brazilian bean crop, it took until about late July to see China step in and start doing some of these purchases week to week. We've seen some some decent you know frequency on sales, but we haven't seen some showstopper uh, as far as total. We're not seeing you know, 500,000, 700,000 tons in one purchase. So we'd like to start seeing that. Now, maybe if that timing is an indicator of when the Chinese may come in for corn, if they need to buy U.S. corn, that safrina crop is pretty fresh. So they're going to go to Brazil yet for quite some time. And I think the world buyers will continue to do that. Uh, so maybe it's going to be you know five, six months down the road before we start seeing demand for exports for corn. Well, speaking of the world, I thought it was interesting as I looked over those numbers, the talk of, of what was seen in, in Russia and Ukraine with some higher production numbers, but some uncertainty when it came to those export opportunities for wheat. Well, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you got Russia. I was looking at the Ukrainian numbers. The government actually made some specific slides of it in our presentation. It's, it is pretty amazing how decent of production they actually have, considering they are in the middle of a war. But the real question now is, are they going to be able to get it out? And the other thing I think you got to look at, Susan, on the overall ramping up of the war. And what I mean is, you know, just a few weeks ago, the Ukrainians attacked a Russian warship. They've sunk a couple of them. They also turned around and they hit a Russian oil rig or oil tanker already. The real question as a grain trader has got to be a little bit concerned about, do they essentially say, hey, if you're going to shut down our grain ports, we're going to essentially shut down your grain ports because if they take out a couple of Russian grain trading vessels, I think you're going to add a lot of volatility to it. And that may actually push some of that demand back to the United States. 
we actually on the wheat had one of our best weekly sales of wheat ever this past week. And I week, excuse me. And I think part of that has to do with some of that uncertainty of what's going to happen in that part of the world. They're, they want to just make sure they have their, you know, their needs covered and they came to the U.S. Maybe we'll get more of that business. As you gentlemen look over those numbers and you get a chance to kind of really digest them going into the weekend, what do we see Sunday night for a trade that saw some definite negativity in a feel for a Friday? I, mean, I tend to think with today's close, uh, we're very close to support in corn. So that'll be the thing to watch is, uh, you know, the 480 level on December corn. We've, that's the 481 is the low that was made during the month of July. Uh, and that low was made right around the, the July WASDE report before we started to see the market recover again. Traded to 483 today. So, uh, again, we're very close to support. It's one of those things where, you know, if I'm bearish corn big picture, I almost want to see it take out support before uh, I, I sell it. Uh, I don't want to sell it so close to support, but just before the off chance, maybe we get a little bit of a bounce and some profit taking there. Uh, on the soybeans, you know, it looks to me like really the number to watch here moving forward is going to be the 1280 level. Uh, so if you think about the context of the whole rally from the May low to the July high, the lows we put in this week were right at the 50% retracement mark. And so we bounced nicely off of that. Uh, we went back up and retested the 200 day moving average on today's rally. We failed against that, closed lower on the day. So I think sub 1280 suggests we're going to go to the next retracement, which is 62%. That's in the low 1240s. Uh, and if we push through there, because we are also breaking down out of an ascending wedge pattern, uh, I still think there's there's quite a bit lower in, in soybean value. So uh, big picture, maybe the market wants to see the crop conditions and how those fared week to week. Uh, but I think if there's a, another week of improvements, we're going to be continuing to look at pressure in, in both markets. Head over to the livestock side. Uh, talk of some red flag when it comes to demand for this cattle market, Jim. Well, right now, the, we know the cattle market's been hanging in here very stoutly because of supply. And we know the supply is going to be very, very tight. But that's only one part of the equation. Demand is something that we're very concerned about. And there's a couple red flags on the demand that really have my attention. The first one was this week. We hit a trillion dollar plus consumer credit card debt. We've never done that before. So we are living on our plastic. It is getting maxed out. And the people who are living on plastic, their costs are going up even more, obviously because the Fed has raised interest rates. So that's one problem. The other problem you've got is you're hearing headlines of people are tapping their 401ks, their retirement to essentially subsidize their lifestyle. Eventually they're gonna run out of money there. And then the last one I think that really could have a profound impact near term is this student debt repayment. Right now, Susan, the government paused that during the pandemic, and there's been a lot of political fights about it, but it really doesn't matter where we're at. Right now, the reality is for a bulk of the people who are carrying debt, they've got to start making those payments. And right now, that average payment of a, someone carrying it is going to be about $400 a month. And you think about it, if they've got to pay $400 a month to back to the government to pay off that student loan, where is that going to come from? Is it going to come from the entertainment? Is it going to come from maybe not going out to eat to steakhouses? Or is it just one of those situations where you're going to see essentially families who are essentially going to have to essentially shift down away from the higher cuts and maybe something a little bit cheaper? But more than likely, this is going to have a profound impact on the overall economy. Well, gentlemen, I appreciate you taking time on your Friday to, to have this discussion with me. It's always a pleasure, Susan. Yeah, thank you, Susan. Thanks for, thanks for having us on. No problem. As we always remind you, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. And that's this week's Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup.